0: This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development.
1: Our
2: conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day.
3: Except you will have more fun with Chris Nessie, AJ Bianco, and me, Stacey Lindis.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Podcast PD. You're here for episode number 14, and we have a wonderful guest with us tonight. But first, let's introduce the team. Chris, Stacy, how are you guys on this beautiful
2: night?
3: Doing well, AJ. How about you and Chris?
2: I'm doing well. It's uh, the first Sunday of the NFL season, the first weekend of the school year for at least the three of us. I know other people have started and had a couple weekends already, but life is good here.
0: Yeah, I think things are good. It is the opening weekend of the NFL season. Patriots lost. So that was my happy moment. then the Jets play today. So everything goes downhill from there. So at least the uh, Jets and the Patriots have the same record for probably the first time in 15 years.
3: Enough football talk. It's the opening week of school. How was that for everybody?
0: School was exciting this week. This this week? Yeah, this week. This week was great. Uh, I met my kids for the first time. And like I said, in previous episodes, I loop with some of the eighth graders. So I was very excited to see them. Felt like we had never broken apart over the summer. And the seventh graders I have are really excited about what's coming. So good start to the year. I know you know, we get to the second week. We'll see how things go. But I think we got some good things going on.
2: I can piggyback off that, AJ, as I started the school year with a couple of half days with my kids. And I'm looping with some of my kids uh, in a different way because I do have a high school freshman class that is has some repeat students. I saw them last year and they were lucky enough to get me again this year. So that's exciting. And of course, also this week, I started the three courses that I'm teaching at Rutgers this semester. So a whole different ball game than, than high school, but again, just as exciting.
3: That's awesome. I had um, four days of school this week. We went back on Tuesday. It was our random PD day, uh, getting to know you, building stuff. And then Wednesday and Thursday, I had coaching PD. And then Friday was really the only day that I was in school to work with teachers. And I was already booked. I was actually booked on Tuesday too. So that was kind of cool. It's kind of like we never left, which is the best feeling.
2: Yeah. And, and AJ, welcome back because you were not a part of the last episode, Stacy and I did. And last week, uh, the last episode, we we recycled a bit of our content. So hey, good to see you again, buddy.
0: It is good to be here. I'm I'm back from living it up in beautiful Lake George, New York. And uh, here we go. So why don't we kick this show off? Let's get this thing started.
3: Yeah, we have a really important guest with
2: us. Obviously, the reason everybody's here to listen to this episode is because of our guest, and that is the Don Wetrick. Don Wetrick is an innovation specialist at Noblesville High School just outside Indianapolis, Indiana. He is the author of Pure Genius, Building a Culture of Innovation and Taking 20% Time to the Next Level. Don is passionate about helping students find their educational opportunities and providing them with the digital tools they need to give them the competitive edge. He also creates and hosts the awesome, and we've talked about it before, the Start It Up podcast, which also happens to be a part of the Very Fine Education podcast network. But most importantly, Don works with educators and students to bring innovation and collaborative skills into education. Don, you're really cool, so welcome to Podcast PD.
1: Thanks, man. It's uh, so, yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. I was hoping my daughter would be around here and she'd rolled her eyes at you. You heard your last podcast and you realized really nice and you're like, man, we should get that guy on there. And I'm like, yeah, we should. So here I am.
3: That was awesome. I liked the little call to action. And I remember writing it in the sketch note and I was like, I hope he sees this. And you did.
1: Appreciate it. No, and, and then, and then, unfortunately, what we don't get to hear was the um, off air banter uh, before we got on here. Yes, guys are fun crew. And uh, I was just saying, why don't I have a team? I need a team. Uh, my, well, I do have a team, but um, this three man team is, oh, sorry, three person team is, uh, yes, they're having a lot, a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm excited about tonight. Now we're excited. We're excited as well, and
0: you know we have fun, and I think that's what makes us successful. If we are successful, I don't even know if we're successful. People, if you're listening, we are successful, I guess, right, in our own minds.
3: I like what we do.
2: Success is relative. We definitely have fun, and people find value in this show and other shows like Don's podcast, which I'm sure we're going to talk about more. But why don't we get started with the idea of innovation? And Don, since you're here, we we see you as the expert, and the purpose of this show is to give people the sense of being in a professional development setting with an expert like yourself. So for those that don't know, what is briefly innovation, genius hour, 20% time?
1: Well, I'm glad you started off by saying, you know, other than innovation, because that is at times such a vague buzzword. And, and I think that's the thing that scares me. Um, I'm going to try to not come across snarky. Uh, but, you know, I, I hear a lot of like, you know, you, you'll go to, some educational things and they're like, kids should innovate. You're like, okay, what do you mean? And you know, we should do things differently. Okay. What does that mean? And and so I, you know, I think that what we're looking for is some experiences and, and, and to like try to get a grasp on what innovation is. And so one of the things that has fallen into our lap is, um, what I considered, well, my kickoff point was, you know, Daniel Pink's TED Talk a long time ago, and then the book Drive, is that, you know, he was talking about, you know, the 20% time they had at Google and, you know, at Lassian and some of these other places. And so a lot of educators looked at that and went, huh, that, what if we did that here? And I think that that's what it has evolved into what we're calling genius hour or 20% time or passion time or whatever. Um, but there's still even been a lot of misnomers about that. Um, I work with a lot of teachers and sometimes they get mad. And they're like, hey, you know, I told the kids that we're going to do genius hour and I told them to go be geniuses and they didn't. Well, how did you support it? How did you kick it off? What are, you know, what expectations did you have? What is your feedback circles? What? what I, well, you, I, I just gave them free time. <laughs> well, that's recess. So, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I just, I, I've had a hard time with, I you know I love genius hour I love 20% time if done well and so back to your question what is genius hour it's a time in the week where you, almost kind of like show and tell I mean from the you know or montessori type education what you're driven by the things that you really want to work on the things that you really want to to learn if school didn't get in your way what would you do and I hate to even say if school gets in your way but if we're not allowing some of the time to let them have these Things driven by their own passion and inquiry, then where else is it going to be done? And so, you know, we, we've kind of set it aside. And, um, and at the same time, I've talked to so many people that teach like pre-K Montessori and they're like, hey, you're discussing what we do every day. I'm like, I know, but Montessori education can go past kindergarten. And so, you know, the Genius Hour movement has been really unique and kind of a, a window into not throwing everything out. You know, like the baseline curriculum is still great. There's a lot of things that, you know, you cannot be innovative. If you can't read and write. You can't be innovative if you don't understand the scientific method. But is there a point in your day and is there a time in the week where you can do the things that you've always wanted to do in school? That's to me what Genius Hour is.
2: I know that's what I'm trying to make it as I facilitated it a little bit in the spring last year with my students over the the last marking period uh, just to kind of. I guess kind of dip my toe in, I also use the concept at Rutgers for a midterm in one of the classes I teach where the students have the first half of the semester to explore and pursue what they're interested in. But something I took away from what you just said was the idea that there is some flexibility in how a teacher will facilitate genius hour and 20% time. What are the absolutes or non-negotiables for successful facilitation?
1: I think the first thing, um, and this is going to be so basic and obvious, but it, it's enthusiasm. If you're as excited about what the students are working on as they are, then that's the start. The other thing is, though, that there's there's some accountability, that there is a timeline on there. There are feedback loops. There is always reflection. Um, these are the things that I've kind of laid out with our process and you know i i see people um they'll do some things on youtube and and while i appreciate them they're like this year's genius hour project was on and i'm like this year don't you mean this week because you know students change their mind a lot and if you say, and if you think you're going to make a commitment to what you want to learn this year that's a fallacy they're going to change i mean how many times do we change our majors in college and so when when the students start exploring what they love, I give them two weeks. Although I will say, I have to back up. I have an I have a class called Innovation and in Open Source Learning. So it's basically like a Genius Hour, except that's the class. Because I hope I'm not making people mad. I think once you get to a certain point in high school, uh, Genius Hour is no longer good enough. 20 minutes of innovation a week is like, no. It is, uh, once the students start really falling in love with the process, it's just not enough. So I have my own class. So it's a little bit different in, in what our feedback loops are. But, you know, basically I always give them two weeks. That is long enough for you to realize that, A, the project you are working on needs improvement or is great or is a awful thing that you've done and you should never go back to it. I'm a big fan of quitting if it doesn't work out. Um, but then the last part of that is is the reflection. Um, you know, the reflect and adjust is is that second, we, like we have the Roth IRA and the IRA is the ideation or iteration reflect and adjust and so every two weeks you're iterating your project your business your invention and then you reflect on it tell me what you did right tell me what you did wrong tell me what you are never going to do again tell you how you're going to improve on it and then adjust and 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 that is the cycle of which heck that's the cycle in which most innovative companies work um and i think that's been the exciting part is is that and this is a terrible segue, but that's why I started my podcast. You know, I started having these wonderful conversations with these awesome entrepreneurs, and they were telling me how things worked at their company. And I'm like, that's exactly what we're trying to do at my class. And, and, and it's, it's maddening to me that, you know, we don't, in education, look to some of these entrepreneurs and go, hey, there's a lot we can learn from these guys.
2: Before you did this innovation class, Mr. Wetrick's classroom did exist. Uh, What was your classroom before this? And and really, how did you get this class to exist?
1: I'm so glad you asked that. So for at least 10 years, I was a middle school English teacher and I loved it. But I had started to burn out like I was getting like I think at age 45. I don't think we had the term attention deficit disorder, but I'm pretty sure I have it. And if I'm not really into something, then all of a sudden I start looking around and I just didn't want to do that anymore. And so then I kind of dumb lucked my way into doing television broadcasting and documentary filmmaking at a high school. I loved it because I learned along the way. Most of my students were just as ill prepared as I was to take on that class. And so we just learned by doing because I was even though I had an endorsement on it, like my endorsement said student publications, which really meant newspaper and yearbook. But I got, you know, put on doing the TV. At, well, basically doing the announcements as, as what is what it started out as. And so I wanted to grow it. And we just kept learning by doing. And that was kind of the foundations of what I wanted to be the innovation class. Then, as I was talking about earlier, the day, I'll always remember. I still have this email. I just get this email. It's like, what was that, six and a half, seven years ago. And it just said, watch this. And it was a link to Dan Pink's TED Talk. And so... Like I watched it on my lunch break and I was like, this is cool. And I, right then next period showed it to my freshman English class. And I was like, what do you guys think? You know, as freshmen, they didn't want to admit that it was too cool. They're like, yeah, it was okay. And I said, well, what if we did that here? You know, what if I gave you one day a week where like what he talked about, what if you were driven by your passion interest? And they're like, yeah, that'd be cool. And all this other stuff. And then I tried it and it was the most miserable. Like it was terrible. Matter of fact, I've talked to a lot of teachers that the, the irony is is that 20% time at at first works for about 20% of the kids. And they're and they're usually the air quote bad kids, right? They're the ones that didn't like school, but they're like, You're serious, I can work on this. And then I, I realized that I was I loved this, but just not once a week. I asked my principal and I said, Could I have my own class? And he said no. And I pretended that he said <laughs> yes. And um, <laughs> I just went ahead and then told the guidance counselors to that. He, you know, yeah, I was going to get myself in some trouble. But in the meantime, um, I reached out to Dan pink and like, I was stupid enough to, I, I just thought he just had a cool Ted talk and he was nice enough to I was like, sure. And so the next year, cause this is like, I tried to introduce Genie Sour in April, which is the like, right after spring break, what gets done after spring break, nothing. Right. So like, I couldn't be too surprised that the kids were just lukewarm on it. I started this class and, and Dan helped me out. Um, Skyped into my class and then my principal thought it was super cool after that. And it, it took a life of its own ever since. So First of all, I think it's amazing that, that Dan Pink was, was,
0: was on board with this. I mean, it's great to have somebody of his, I guess, stature and just be like, yeah, I'll help you out with this. It's this fantastic.
1: Well, I mean, uh, to be honest, though, I like uh, if somebody wrote me and said, hey, I'm going to start an entire new class based off of your speech. Well, I mean, uh, uh, first of all, you're right. You're right. He is. But I I don't know. Like, I think teachers are amazing people. And I think that by nature, if you're doing something wonderful for kids, people will want to help you.
2: Don, didn't you recently say on on an episode of your show that teachers are the best networkers that students have access to?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just do the math. You know, we always talk about, and I hate it when people are like, well, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, then know people. Hmm. Dear God, man. Like, seriously, if you average, what, 150 students a year and you've taught for 10 years, like, I'm not good at math, but that's a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I could have what, done that sometimes? math. <laughs> right. But, but, like, seriously, like, that, all of a sudden, that 1,500 families, they know people and they know people. And there, and, and you're, you know, my, my uncles, uh, you know, my uncles know this guy or my mom has had lunch with this one, then put that to use. And so, you know, it, I think it's our job to get our students networked and and I, and and I don't want people to think that, you know, it's, it's smarmy or or terrible. It's like, it's great. If, if it is a world if it's not what you know, so, you know, well, I want my, my kids to still know stuff. But why not know a lot of people in the process? So yeah, that's always been a part of the class. That's also kind of the other non-negotiable. And that's why, so officially, again, my class is called Innovation and Open Source Learning. And the open source learning comes from the fact that I'm not going to teach you a lot of things. Like truly, my class is about seven to eight weeks long. And then the rest of the school year, it's open source learning. I'm there to hold you accountable. I'm there to hold you accountable to the hardest things in the world. And the hardest things in the world are the things that you say that you're going to do. But normally, no one holds you accountable. So I'm your workout buddy. Now, I'm, the, I'm the guy that's like, okay, you had two weeks. What did you do? How, how are your goals coming along? And this year was something new. Every student either has to have a YouTube channel, a blog, or a podcast. Because if you're doing something cool, I mean, if I think it's awesome, that's good. But it's an audience of one. Who the heck cares what I think? It's what, the, it's what the people think and, and how you can get your idea to the world. That's what I'm really interested in. So, yes, I think that because we know so many people, let's network our students. If they're doing great work, let's get it out there. Or we can just complain that the media doesn't cover us fairly. Well, that <laughs> oh that oh, that fires me up. Well, they never give us any good media coverage. Well, then pick up the freaking phone. Call your newspaper. They're going to love to con- – there are such things as a slow news day. And when they have a slow news day and they know that you rock star teacher are doing something amazing with kids, they'll be on their way out. No, I, I completely agree
0: with that. I mean, I tell my kids, I, I mean, I have middle school social studies class, so I've created an Instagram page with them that I want them to be part of it. And I wanted to share with their families and they kind of look at it like, oh, here we go. Like, why Instagram? You know, it's not cool, but it's going to turn into more. And like when I think about this and they, they kind of have that reaction of why are we doing this? You know, I'm curious about the teachers in your school. And the students at first and their parents, what were their reactions to a class like this? I, I know you call the kids their YouTube and blogs like their LLC, and I love that. When you tell this to parents and other teachers, what's their reaction? Because a lot of teachers don't want to come out of their shells and don't want to take this approach. How do they talk to you about that?
1: I even put this in my book. Look, I, I, I came across um, so language warning. Um, but you know, when I first started this class, I came off like a huge and I probably was. Uh like I was always on the lookout for the next best thing for my students, my students. But I I never was trying to, you know, I never looped anybody else in. And um I should have. I should have been working with more teachers. And so uh I started that's that class at a different high school and the school where I'm at now. The principal and assistant principal had had seen what i was doing they're like hey we'd like for you to start your own program up here from the ground up and then all this other cool stuff and they're like okay so it's it's a bit easier because i i came to this school with having a reputation of starting my own class and they've been supremely better but not to disrespect my last school because again i mean I could have played well with others and I was just so focused. And, and I'm not trying to bash myself, but like I was just really driven and I didn't take the time to, to have any other teachers be a part of it. I didn't make that mistake. And I, you know, any teacher that wants to work with me at the school I'm at, especially because I'm, I'm working with, you know, a lot of elementary and middle school teachers, especially middle, or I mean, especially elementary. But if, you know, it was just, and the other part of it is hard because I reinvented myself. You know, because all of a sudden I had this innovation class and it kind of went over really well and it got some press. And to their credit, they're like, what do you mean? You're not innovative. You teach TV. You know, what what do you know about innovation? You'd run the announcements. Uh, You teach freshman English. And so I had the luxury, the luxury of reinventing myself and going to another school. And I'm grateful for it. Um, Now, on the parent side, they really (laughs) I have my own back to school night, Um, even though there's a back to school night. I have mine before. Because uh, I want them to know what they're getting themselves into. We learn how to think for ourselves. And I'm going to let the parents know, I'm like, if your child is going to start making you mad because they're questioning everything, I'm sorry. If you start hearing a lot of rhetoric because we believe, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a double layer of permission slips on your child will be broadcasting. Your child will be featured on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook channel. Your child will be a part of a podcast that he or she will create. And uh, they know what they get, you know, they, they know what they're getting into. And, but the wonderful thing is this year without fail, like all the parents are like, yeah, let's go. Um, you know, let's do this. The, the, the only thing that I do have them like want this to be on their mind is that uh, in the past, and I hope this, I don't know, in the past, this, this class has affected grades negatively. Uh, the straight A student, has started to get some C's, Hmm. but it's an, it's econ, but it's an opportunity cost. You know, the kid that was going to dedicate two hours of homework might dedicate now 30 minutes because an hour and a half is on their business or on their invention or on their event that they're about to run. So I, I, I I have them aware of that. I'm like, Hey, this, this may affect grades. If you see the warning signs, you know, call me, we'll work it out. That is, that is a bump that we've hit in the road. But, But, but again, the parents have been really supportive and, I think it'd be cool if my teachers, you know, if my kid's teacher was introducing them to Naveen Jain, to Tim Ferriss. I mean, my kids got to spend two hours with Tim Ferriss last year. What the heck, yeah,
3: oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, oh, I see. so yeah, so now the so yes, the parents are pretty darn. They're like, yeah, that's cool. So all, it's all smooth sailing from there.
3: So you say that, and it's kind of interesting because I think it's 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 a bit of a precursor to real life. You know, when we're passionate about things or when we delve into new projects, things have to slide. There's only, there are only 24 hours in a day. And like you're saying, if two hours are allotted for homework and, you know, an an hour and 30 minutes are dedicated to your LLC or what you're doing for your innovation class, then yeah, 30 minutes is not going to be enough for all of the other subjects in the day. But I think that that's real life. You know, when you pick up, you know, a new interest or a new sport, or, you know, you start a new hobby, things go to the wayside. It happens to everyone. And I, I think it's kind of nice to to get a little dose of reality before you're outside of the, you know, the walled-in garden that is school. And then there's someone there to coach them through, like, how you get back on track or how you find a little bit more balance so that it's not, you know, three quarters of your time is towards this and, you know, only a quarter is towards everything else.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
3: At one point, you said you started working with elementary and middle school teachers. Can you tell us more about that? Because I heard you on a recent episode of your podcast, and you were talking about innovation. I was like, I wonder how I could pitch this to my admin. Um, so what does that look like for you working with middle school and elementary teachers?
1: What I want to do more than anything is to have the foundations of innovation at an elementary level. The easiest thing to do, I, I, I use the term easily, lightly, but it is a lot easier to implement innovation strategies at the elementary level than it is at the middle school or high school. So it is in my best interest. And heck, it's stacking my own deck. Like, I'm, I, I love my class, but it took years. I mean, this is my, like, six and a half, seventh year of doing the innovation class, and it was rough the first couple of years. is because they are, like, well-trained students at the, at the, at the high school age. Um, they don't like, they have a hard time thinking for themselves because they're very used to, you know, getting told instructions and then telling you what you want to hear. So I want to work with elementary school, you know, teachers and like, Hey, let's do some genius hour because it'll seem like logical and natural. If you, you know, that whole kindergarten aspect of show and tell and you, you know, what you're really curious about and that you do, let's continue it in second, third and fourth and fifth. And I'm I'm there to kind of like foster it and kind of level up. Um, I'm also trying to show them like the, the four quadrants. Uh, and this is s- straight from Tina Selig, so I don't want to take credit for it. But Tina was the first one to kind of point it out to me. Every kid is imaginative. And fostering that imagination and having them do something with it is creativity. People use those words interchangeably, but it's they're drastically different. And then <clears throat> by having the students do creative things... By upper elementary school, maybe middle school, you can now get into that new territory of innovation, things that are truly, truly unique and maybe not have been done yet. Um, But if they have that time to be creative, then all of a sudden they're going to start understanding pattern recognition, which is at the heart of innovation. They're going to start seeing like, well, you know, if A and B always equals this, well, maybe we can look at those patterns and we can invent C, and at the middle school level, that's that's when they're starting to, you know, start the higher level thinking um, and then they start inventing and I want them to get the the basics of entrepreneurship. And then that spills into my class. And by the way, that's the fourth quadrant from Tina. It's uh, it, imagination, creativity, innovation and entrepreneurship, because if you have something that's truly innovative and it's amazing, you might as well take it to the masses. And that's entrepreneurship. So, uh, yeah, by, by me working with elementary, I'm trying to prepare them to be great middle schoolers to, to, you know, really test the boundaries, be innovative. And then by the time they get into high school, man, they're really, really dangerous in a great way. So it's, it's in my best interest to, to work with any elementary teacher, um, possible in my school district, which I'm lucky enough to have a job where I can do that. Um, but I also, you know, I, I do some things in the after hours too, um, Heck, that's why we started our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash start ed up. Um, we decided to do daily videos from our classroom because we keep getting, I, I don't want to sound like, like to be mean, but we keep getting the same questions about Genius Hour a, a lot. And it's like, you know what, start doing videos and, you know, working with elementary is there too.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, I, I tell my kids that I'm tired of the game of school. You know, I'm tired of learn something, read about it, take a test. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm extremely happy to have you on because I, I like the idea of innovation. And I'm trying to be innovative in my classroom. I'm trying to think of ways that I can take social studies and make it relevant to, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And I tell them, you know, we're not, you, not even going to look at a textbook. textbook has a bunch of dead guys. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for us. We look at the world around us, and this is where we have to go. So I'm trying my best to be innovative and I, and this leads to the question that I am dying to ask and I have to ask this question. You know, you talked about networking before and I think about networking and I think about our social media. You know, I think we're all pretty well connected. I think we are connected educators, whether it's good or bad, depending on how people look at it. That's, this is where my question goes. So when we look at innovation, we look at social media and we look at all the things people continue to put out there. Um, is innovation taking a hit because people think they're being innovative and putting it on social media, or are they totally right about everything that they're doing and patting themselves on the back and showing everything their kids are are doing? I I feel like too many people are putting things out there and saying, look how innovative I am. Look what my kids can do. But I feel like they're
1: missing the point. Uh, Yes. (laughs) I'm over here shaking my head. (laughs) Uh, or, or, Or what they're patting themselves on the back isn't innovative. Like, like I remember right before I wrote my book, I, I you know, I, I was scared that the word innovation was gonna jump the shark anyway. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing and I I think it was Cottonelle, and and there was a new innovative <laughs> layer of softness. And I was like, something I'm going to wipe my butt with is now innovative. And I started taking account of every commercial out there that's innovative. This is so innovative, that's so innovative. And yes, when, when I see that and I'm not gonna bash any particular products, but a lot of times there's a lot of ed tech companies that are like, there's this new innovative way to digitize your worksheet. Dear God, no, it's not innovative. It's a freaking worksheet. Digitized. So and, and I and, and I'm so glad you asked that because and and, and I don't want to come across snarky. But I, I go to the same conferences you guys do, and there sits the keynote. And there's a lot of YouTube clips being shown that aren't really demonstrating innovation. They're inspirational. Absolutely. They're motivational at times. But when, you, but when people are like, hey, we need to innovate. Okay, let's start showcasing. And I guess maybe this is my other pushback. Then let's start showcasing what that is. You know, what is Innovation. Um, and, and then having, you know, the guts to carry it out. Uh, you know, yes. I mean, if, if, if a teacher says, Hey, would you come and take a look at my new innovative? And then I'm not going to, you know, bash things in general, but like, and if it's not innovative, I'm like, well, let's, Hey, let's work on improving that. Um, so there is a delicate balance of wanting to shamelessly promote what is innovative, but we first must address. Okay. Is what we're working on innovative? And, and I know this is kind of your guys's beat, but, you know, ed tech, for the sake of ed tech, means nothing to me. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, thank God.
1: I, you know, I, I, I go to a lot of schools, and I'll, I'll never be invited back to this one school in particular. And they're like, hey, Don, we're really innovative here. I'm like, awesome. Let's see it, because I'm really big on student work. And then they, so they go, we have a makerspace." I'm like, oh, it's cool. Let's see it. And they show me in there. And there's a couple 3D printers. I'm like, all right. I'm like, okay, like show me the things that the, the students have printed. Well, they're not really allowed to touch it. But, but our tech director has made this (laughs) cool Yoda head. And I'm like, I mean, so, and I think I even said, I'm like, so you guys spent $2,000 on a 99 cent key fob. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, uh, we're so innovative because we use ed tech or we're one-to-one iPad. That's awesome. That's awesome. But I've talked to a lot of students that the, that, you know, they think that one to one iPad was just a way for them to, you know, take screenshots of a worksheet. Sure. And I had a similar
2: it. experience when I went on an interview for a job and told the school district that the smart boards they had all over the district weren't innovative. <laughs> needless, to say, I didn't, needless to say, I didn't get the job.
3: Thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, but so, but okay. So back to your original question. I mean, th- this is the hard part. Like, we, we have to promote. Oh, this is going to segue into the New York Times article, isn't it? <laughs> that wasn't even oh, in our outline. Oh, oh, oh. We we have we have to promote. Well, but I mean, we have to promote what is good. We just do, and and there's there people are going to come out of the woodwork and saying you're showing off. I have, you know, I'm not going to have my feelings hurt by. It. There have been some. They're like, well, you're just showing off. Yes, I am. <laughs> my students are completely badass. But-
2: but see that response. That's I, I, the have, good I have thing. no problem with that's that. That's the good thing. But you're setting a it's,
3: benchmark.
1: Well, I, well, but but it's still. I, but but there are people that get they come out of the woodwork and they're, they're mean and they're snarky and and um, although I will say uh, this is also one of the reasons I've kind of made a, a, an effort to not you know I'm not sponsored. You know, I, I've done I've done a couple of you know, fill in your uh, you know whether I'm not going to say which one, but you know there's some you know, big, big technology companies are like, we'll send you to a conference or whatever. And i I think it was like five years ago, I did a couple, but um, there's, you know, people come out like, well, you're just being bought and sold and uh, and all this other stuff. And, and, and like, no, uh, but the teachers that are influencers, I'm using mayor quotes, if they a lot of times they're influencers, cause they're doing great things. I've got no problem with that. Like none. Now, now, if, if they're influencing because, you know, their uncle is an ed tech, you know, owner and all this other stuff and he's getting an insider sweet deal, then maybe. But that's also the that's the counterbalance of social media. Like, you know, if you're pushing a bad product on your students, the world's going to know really fast. Um, but if we don't showcase great student work, the catch 22 is we're not going to we're, we're not going to, you know, show best practice. We're just going to keep staying in the same bubble, and I think that was my biggest. That was the hardest thing about that. Watching people implode on that New York Times article, and even this week, actually my my tomorrow's podcast on my Monday motivation, I saw so much hatred towards the XQ Super School event. Mm-hmm. And and while I understood, I mean, some of the criticism I got, like you know, people were saying it was all flash, no substance. And I'm like, oh, give him a chance. And I started watching it. I'm like, thank God. Right, it's all flash, mm-hmm. no substance. But I mean, give them a chance. You know, it, it's funny. We start talking about like, hey, we need to change education, and then when some people start talking about changing education, well, you can't do it that way. We've never done it that way, and and the educational powers that be get all upset and all that is good stuff. So I really think it's those rogue people that really want to push the boundaries um, and do it. You know, get that YouTube channel, get on Twitter, push it out there. But to your point earlier, if you're not doing things that are truly innovative, I, I don't know. I guess people will call you out on it.
3: But I think to your point, when you said, oh, people are going to think that I'm showing off, show off. It shows people what's what's possible, like what the potential is. That, you know, innovation isn't I use my iPad or the camera on my Chromebook to take a picture of the work that I'm doing. That's analog.
1: Like- yeah, I, I totally agree with you. But so a dear friend, and I'm not going to mention her by name. She, she really put me in my place a couple weeks ago. And if I know she's going to be listening to this, and I just want to tell her how much I love her that she <laughs> called me. But she called me uh, a couple weeks ago. And she's like, Hey, Don, I wanted you to know that a lot of people think that you're coming across like a real asshole. And I said, Okay, why is that? And And, and it's Kind of because I've been snarky and like, hey, you're not innovative if you're taking a picture of your worksheet. And she's like, okay, not everybody's there yet. Some people like it, it you you have to go in small doses. There's a lot of people that think that, wow, I'm starting and I'm not saying this is an age thing, but some there's some people who are like, oh my gosh, I just took a screenshot and I put it on my students. I'm so innovative. Well, it is to them for right now. I'm hoping that they level up faster. You're hoping that they level up faster, but I have to admit this is where when she called me I she had me. She's like there's some people out there on the circuit that they're th- that they're the warm up. Like people are just getting entertained by the idea cuz there and you guys know this. There's a lot of schools out there that think that innovative is Microsoft Word. And and and, and you know, I I I, I don't want to f- offend those people, but at the same time I also want to say let's speed it up a little mm-hmm. bit. So, and it's always a fine line. I, I, I don't take pride in the fact that it, sometimes I do come across that way. I hate it, um, but I do. But I do. I want totally to understand speed the speed up thing. Too.
2: But would you say or, or would you agree that innovation is relative? Uh,
1: mm, kind of. Here's 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 the thing that isn't relative: the speed in which we're moving on automation, Internet of Things, artificial intelligence. Things are moving so fast that in five years ago, like, I'm sorry, that five years from now, we'll be talking like, remember when we weren't adjusting? I mean, we're talking about not just job killers, complete sector killers coming up on the horizon. And so while I think that it's a relative term, there are certain things that, like, they're going to be here. And, and they're going to be replacing a lot of what we do. And then we're going to look back and go, remember when we forced kids? Well, I mean, seriously, think about how funny it is now that we wouldn't let a kid use a, a smartphone. The, or, 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 they, or we wouldn't let them use a calculator. I mean, I'm old, I'm old enough to remember, like, you couldn't use a calculator. Like, why? It's a tool. It's a good tool. Mm-hmm. I, I think with IoT and some of the things that are coming down the pike, uh, we're going to have to adapt, uh, or, or perish, you know, as an educational unit, uh, it, it's, it's getting scary, scary, scary. So what you're, you know, what somebody's definition of innovation is, is one thing, but the speed in which we're going to head towards this thing, this technological wonder and, and, and the speed of innovation is not going to be negotiable. It's, it's, it's coming and it's coming hard. Mm.
2: Now, one thing that you're personally doing, and we've touched on it a few times here, is to start it a podcast and what you're doing to build a, a sense of community. Well, not a sense of, but you're building community, you know, via Facebook to bring people together, parents, teachers, students around the idea of innovation. And started up is really pushing people to, you know, warp speed, light speed, whatever the joke in space balls is like you're, you're helping to move it faster. Uh Yes.
1: <laughs> Heading to Platt. <laughs> Ludicrous Pete. <laughs>
2: Thank you. That's it. Ludicrous. I went past Ludicrous speed and was I just saw Platt, the commercial so. today for for Optimum by us.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh,
2: but they've gone. Flat. talk about how, not, not even how, but, you know, where did it start it up? Come from? What is the drive yeah. for it? And, and where's it going?
1: Yeah, the the. The, the where did it come from was i like talking to interesting people and one day and this is not a knock on teachers but one day um i sent an email out i'm like hey we're gonna talk to tim ferris for you know i mean dollar wise to talk to tim ferris is not cheap and here he was he set out a pretty ch- big chunk of time for students I'm like, does i want to come down and and no one knew who tim ferris was and i shouldn't say no one very few people knew who tim ferris was And I was like, well, that's a problem. And so I started to ask around. I mean, these people that I considered super cool, you know, like Peter Diamandis, Steve Kotler, um, Naveen Jain, uh, a lot of people know who Elon is or Mark Cuban, but they didn't know the, the other like movers and shakers in the entrepreneurial world. And I was like, you know what? They should. And I had such a fun time talking to a couple of these guys, and and I I must admit I'm leading a charmed life that I can count on and call some of these really unique individuals. That I was like, you know what, I should build a podcast around it, like get educators to know why I fanboy out so much on listening to Naveen, um, because I can guarantee you the people the people listening to your podcast right now, I can guarantee you if they're it, like they're probably googling right now Naveen Jane. <laughs> Um, And these people are amazing. They're super smart. And quite frankly, they all didn't like school very much, like almost universally. And so I thought, well, heck, you know, they're going to have a lot of opinions on on education and they're going to have a lot of opinions on learning and failing. And and quite frankly, it's just a cool excuse for me to call up some of my heroes and like, hey, you want to talk about education? Do I? And so, people are really opinionated. Some people are really opinionated. Um, some some teachers I have found don't like some of my guests, but but they all have something interesting to say. Oh.
2: we can totally relate to that because that that's I mean what those people are to you in education. That that's what you are to us. So there you go.
1: Well, I doubt you're going to be getting hate mail like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't talk about that. Yeah, I had a certain guest on. That he didn't go over well with people, but
3: you got a hate mail because of yes, a guest.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Quite a bit.
3: Oh, we've never had that.
1: Tucker, Tucker Max. and
2: you, Well, to be fair, in that episode, you kind of set it up as listener. Be warned. You might not like what you're about to hear, but you should listen
1: for the letters that I got. They were all before he was on the episode. And I think that if if those people that wrote in listened to the episode, they thought, oh, okay. Because a lot of people came out of the woodwork and I even got a call from my publisher and they're like, hey, just let you know that you're making some people mad. And I'm like, no one, I haven't even released it yet. And by the way, the episode was amazing. But Tucker, if you know Tucker's books, they're not politically correct. They're pretty crass. And heck, I even remember, I mean, like when I read, I read a, I wrote a, read a paragraph of his book years ago. And I was like, well, that guy's just a jerk. I hadn't even, and I still have not read one of his books, but he was one of the best guests I've ever had. Um, But yeah. And and yeah, I I think the people that actually listened to that episode, they went away going, you know what? That guy had really good opinions on education, even though they were harsh. So, and heck, if, if, if you can get teachers to like, if you can get teachers that were really not wanting to listen to Tucker Max to listen to him and then hear his opinions, I think, then that's, that's when I'm hopefully doing a good job and just bringing a diverse group of people that have a lot of um, alt, you know, different opinions, right? Because you know we, we've all heard the, the, the same mantras and everything else. And these guys are, I mean, highly successful, highly opinionated. And daggone it, they've got a really good track record of where the future is heading.
0: I think these people you have on there, because, not just because of who they are, but the words that they're saying is like a tremendous wake-up call. You know, even to me who are like I th- I think of these things and then I hear them from them. I go, oh, my God, that's right. Like, yeah, that – you know, so, just some of the – like Gary Vee stands out just because I'm a big fan of him. And when you had him on there, I was just yeah. like, oh, got to listen to this right away. A- and his words, you know, just kind of resonated with me. And I just like stopped what I was doing and just like stared off in the space. And just everything just kind of – got me ready for the school year in a different way. So I'm just trying to, just basically, the people you have are just eye-opening, and, and I appreciate what they're saying, no matter who they are and what they stand for, just to hear people talk about education because we're in it, and we're just like, well, we have to do this or we're going to fall apart. And these
1: people are trying to change, help us make a change. Yep. Yeah, yeah a lot of them are, are really, they're wanting... Things to like the, the Tucker one, especially he's like, look, I'm going to homeskill my kids, but man, I hope you're successful. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Seth Godin, man, man, was he opinionated on it. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, all these people are like, man, we, we want things to change, but they better change quick. And they know just as well as I probably bet a lot better than I how the, I'm telling you, the, the IOT AI revolution, it, it's going to wow. Oof. And
3: when you say IoT, it's Internet of Things, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm not going to lie. I had to Google that.
1: No, Internet of Things, uh, artificial intelligence. Well, heck, Elon last week, like, just kept, Elon doesn't tweet much, but he keeps saying, he's like, uh, we need to pump the brakes on AI, guys. Like, he's like, you know, the the, the the whole North Korea thing is not our threat. Our threat is artificial intelligence. And Elon's got a really pretty good track record of knowing what's coming. So, uh, this is scary stuff it's really scary stuff cuz i mean right now software is writing its own software you know like heck just just think of what what's what um well a lot of people see it at like at your local grocery store you know it has the 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 automated um line hasn't replaced everybody it's just replaced 14 of the 15 there's 15 lines now manned by one person so that's a that's a career killer uh what has turbotax done to accountants I mean, the, these things that like we're we're all seeing them in small batches and, you know, Moore's law has been predicting this like you know, technology doubles in speed and halves in price every X amount of years. And my gosh, we are moving faster and faster and faster. And uh, we're not, you know, all these things are coming. Oh, actually, you know, I get this. This is one of my favorite things. How many times you've been to a conference and they're like, like what is it like 72 percent of the world's jobs that our grade school kids will have don't exist right. yet. Well, then who in the heck do you think is going to invent those jobs? Kids that sit around and wait for instructions? If it's it's that star-spangled awesome out there, then what are we doing about preparing them for a future? By having them sit down and memorize the Pythagorean theorem. Dear God, man. Because I hear that again and again every single conference. 72% of the jobs don't exist yet. Okay, Let's use that same logic and mentality to say, can we have an hour a day to look at what is next? Can we start questioning things? Can we start experimenting with things? Can we start prototyping you know, Don, things?
2: Don, Don, I just got to say, I, I'll i give you the latitude to, to be progressive, but you can't step on the Pythagorean theorem. Come on now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from my Pythagorean theorem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well. Shout out to the bridge builders out there. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, it's it's been and and quite frankly, I think the thing I like about the podcast is, like I said earlier, it's just it's just fun to reach out. Oh, oh my gosh, did you see? I don't know if I should talk about this. Did you see? Who I, I, I think
2: I'm going to ask you, about did it. Did you
1: see my Twitter activity? No, we were going to say anything. I, I saw one tweet. Let me see if I go where we're going with this. I got a I got a response. I got a response back. You know how old I am, right? So I'm 45. You know how big of a deal this is to me, right? Well, this is this is big. This is big, just to, to begin with. Basically, I was told. Actually, well, the the little um, the squeal of emotion when I got a DM back, and he's like, "Hey, I have been asked <laughs> to. Uh, I, I might have to share you the DM." <laughs> so yes, I. Uh, I so I'm I, I'm telling your listeners right now. I, I it is it is not a. It is not a promise of yes, but he said, I I would like to, but I have to wait till the movie releases in December. Um, and then I have a lot more freedom. But he's he's like everything. Yeah. So he, uh, he is going to be hopefully on my show in January.
2: Now, for people who have no idea what we're talking about, rather than us say it, rather than us, Don, go ahead. Can we say the he?
0: Is this allowed?
3: Wait, especially since this will be like weeks from now. Well, the, this episode will come out a week and a half from now.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain. No, I'm not certain. There is a strong possibility that the Force will be strong in this family. And this is not a joking matter, I guess. No, no. I, I Well, I, so so credit, credit. I mean, obviously, everybody knows. bit. yeah, I mean, Mark Hamill is pretty good about getting back with people. And, and um <laughs> I, I did a couple of skits interviewing Greedo and Dengar and and uh, <laughs> a couple of other bounty hunters, and so I was like, "Hey, if anybody other my Twitter PLN wants to help in," and then people start flood pinging him, and so he's like, he sent me this really nice DM. He's like, "Honestly, I'm loving them. He's like, "They're cracking me up," but I like I can't do like interviews until the movie comes out, so I gotta lay low. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Mark Hamill!" So I don't I don't fanboy out on many things, but that one.
0: So yeah. He'll be at Comic Con in New York City in October. Chris and I will be there together, so we'll see if we can put a good word in. There you go.
2: Now, now Don, I have to ask because th- this was—I was, was going to see if I could work this into ask, like, oh, and my was my question was going to be more towards why would you want Mark Hamill on your podcast? What do you see in mm-hmm.
1: him? I am so glad you asked that. I am so glad you asked that because he has quietly shifted and reinvented himself but not in overly public ways from things of the voice acting to like little side shoots like obviously he like he has had a life outside mm-hmm. of luke skywalker and i dig that and and um i think that the uh, the responsibility he has had um I, I I don't want to call him a voice generation, but like the responsibility that he's had as an icon and some of the things that he has seen come down the pike, I think that he would have a lot of opinion on learning. I think he'd have a lot of opinion on reinventing yourself. Um, <laughs> and, and then, and then just flat out just because mm. it's cool. <laughs> I'm so listen to me BS. I mean, cause it's Luke Skywalker, man. And that's why, that's why I, I'm just not, I'm just not like trying not to do the Chris Farley show. Like, Remember that one time when you, when you looked out on the horizon, you saw two suns? Yeah. yeah yes. I that. that was awesome. I, was, I love you, Mark. I'm trying not to do that. I might, because like, seriously, like my knowledge of, yeah, I might even like quote, like, hey, remember when you were on The Muppet Show and you appeared with Chewbacca and then, and then Kermit like sideshowed you for uh, the gargling gargoyles? That was great. Like I really love that Muppet episode, but the Christmas episode, that was a little rough, so if I could
2: throw a suggestion in, and I know you take them, um, hit him <laughs> with the curveball and ask him how he developed the trickster in the 1990 season of the Flash. Just go someplace somewhere not oh expect goodness. you to go.: Oh Ooh. And then how do he reinvent it for the new flash? Okay
1: I dig that. <laughs> I dig that for the new flash, yeah. Well, or, or how do you deal with the people that are overly like because just watching his Twitter response today, there's like a guy that kept taking pictures of his all of his tattoos of Mark. And I'm like, oh. like, hey, Mark, I'm not that guy. OK, <laughs> I've got no i got no, no tattoos. Tats. Well, guy's no, to be fair,
2: no. in our show notes for this episode, everyone can go and see <laughs> yeah. each of our tattoos with of Don Wetrick. So I think this all it all comes full circle.
1: yeah well hopefully they were the (laughs) pre yeah no i'm i'm I'm, I'm gonna go down that way all right so uh yes so that 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 will be that will be interesting now of course if if it never if he like because i've had a couple of other people that have given me the slow maybe so i'm hoping that's not a slow maybe but uh it it looks good and heck I'm, i'm i might just print off and and um like frame the the DM, the DM correspondence from today. It made me feel pretty All the
2: best. Go for it.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Thank you. I seriously, might, if you know that much about The Flash, I mean, I seriously need to consult you guys then. So.
3: Oh, you've got the, yeah. the right two guys. All right. So there's one question we like to ask our guests when they visit us with all of their brilliance what is your ideal professional development session and what would you like to attend or want to lead in that realm?
1: That's a tough one. My ideal professional development setting usually is uh, a whiteboard and some markers and then some conversations that lead to using those whiteboards and markers. Um, Things that I would like to center it around. I, I, I would like to, I'd like to have a discussion with as many educators as I can. And I know this is like totally Seth Godin 101. And he like what this have us define what is the point of education? Why are we here? And, and no right or wrong answers. But, you know, where are we going? Let's play this out. And, and how does it, you know, because I mean, let's be honest with a lot of times the answers is to prepare them for the future. Or to prepare them for life and say, okay, let's have an honest discussion. What are we doing right now that are preparing them for the future? And that's not to be like mean. It's like, okay, let's just have this honest discussion. Because I, I think there's a lot of things in core classes that it, it, it is preparing them for the future. But sometimes we lose sight of that. You know, it, there have been times where I've asked teachers, like, why do you cover what you're covering? Well, because it's on this test. Okay, that's not a valid answer. The test has nothing to do with their future. Um, why do we do what we do? I would really like a conference on that, or at least a session on that, and and then see where that goes. I like that. Oh yeah, too. That's one of the questions I actually asked my my students the other day. I said, "Why are we here? Why are we at school?"
0: And they gave a lot of the answers to help us get ready. And I'm like, ready for what? Like, how how is middle school social studies going to help you get ready for your career? You know, and they're like, uh, like, okay, exactly. So I, I think it's time that. To- We rethink this. We have to rethink this whole education thing.
2: And speaking of rethinking it, Don, to be respectful of your time and the fact that you've talked about so many really great things and given us some great insight into the podcast. uh, We've called an audible here behind the scenes and we're going to not do the other parts of the show because we want people to be able to go back, listen, take notes, uh, look at Stacy's sketch note, which is, I, I can almost hear her pens and crayons going in the background. Um, so, so we're going to wrap here with you. So let, us, let, let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you, how they can ask you new questions based on this new information. And, you know, I'll start with the first thank you, but, but go ahead. How can we get in touch
1: with you? I guess the best thing is um, our Facebook page is starting to be a community where there's a lot of interesting Q&A bouncing off. Um, that is facebook.com slash start ed up. I get back with everybody. I genuinely want to help. I want to make that dent in the educational universe. Uh, so the Facebook page is is where a lot of things go on. Um, we do daily vids. If you don't want to do Facebook, we have the same videos on our YouTube channel. If you just look up Start Ed Up. Uh, you can always email me, Don, at com. Then there's the podcast, which, like you said, we do three a week now. But more importantly, I just yeah, I, I just want anybody listening to know that I sincerely want to help, and if you don't know where this fits into your curriculum, I can help. If you don't know how to talk to your principal or superintendent about making things more quote innovative, I can help. If you don't know where to start with Genius Hour, yep, I got you, because this is really important to me. I think this is. I'll, I'll leave this with my dad's quote, and this is my favorite part. This is the favorite thing I've ever written about anything is that I wasn't always a teacher. My first three years out of college, I worked in a different industry. And my dad was a teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, which made her a teacher. My sister is a teacher. And I remember when I asked him, like, Dad, I think I'm going to go back to school. Like, I promised myself I wouldn't be a teacher, but I didn't like my life. And I've always wanted to be like my dad. And I said, Dad, I think I'm going to go back and and, uh, get my teaching degree. And he said, Donnie, I don't care if you teach for the next 20 years. Just promise me you won't teach one year 20 times. And that meant nothing to me until year two. Um, If you are tired of teaching one year 20 times and you want to shake things up, you want to do things a little differently, I'm here to help. Because Chuck Wettrick breathed life into me. And, and uh, I, I think by deliberately doing things a little bit different and pivoting and making sure things are a little bit different each year is the heart of innovation. And, um, I want to help if anybody has an interest in that. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that,
3: that Yeah, I love it. I'm quote. like speechless.
1: Outstanding. And that is amazing. Uh, my, my dad is so, he like, yeah, there's been some interesting things on Twitter about that. And then my dad's like, really? Because he remembers saying it, but he's like you know, the enormity of it. I just, I, I love my parents dearly. But yeah, when he said that to me, and it's funny because at the time I was like, okay, dad, until year two. And then I saw there was a lot of teachers that were getting their year out of the file cabinet. Like the year. Because that's the way they've always done it. And and that really, really left an impact on me. So kudos Chuck and Sue Wetrick,
3: And kudos to you, Don. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it.
1: No, oh, it is my honor. And, and seriously, I, I like the podcast. I like... You know, if we had time, because I'm rambling, and I'm sorry, but you know, what are you listening to? What you're learning? I love all this stuff. Um, I love that you guys are handling it and, and presenting it like like PD, because it is, you know, uh, lifelong learning is cool, and you don't really have to go just to a PD session. You can listen to a podcast like this one and. You know, if you guys are just listening to this for the first time, make sure you hit subscribe. This is me sounding like YouTuber. Hit that subscribe button. But no, I mean, I, I love it. You guys are doing PD on the podcast, on the go. There's a lot of people right now in their car listening to this, getting PD. There's a lot of people on the treadmill in the morning getting PD. So, you know, God bless you guys and um, keep rocking it.
2: Thank you, Don. We, we appreciate your endorsement. <laughs>
1: Thank you for the kind
2: words.
3: Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> we'll make that the, the intro for every episode for now on
3: thank you so much hey guys so we let Don go and we're actually coming back to you a couple of days after our recording of his interview because we really want to make sure we finish the episode strong so we're going to talk about what we're listening to and what we're learning and then we're going to call it quits for this episode you guys ready
2: let's do it let's go
3: all right. So who wants to start? What are we listening to?
2: I will start because mine is not that lengthy as it normally is. School has started for you, for me, for us, and I am now back to my 45-minute to 50-minute commute each way to school. I am just happy to be now catching up on podcasts that kind of piled up over the summer. So I'm catching up on things like The Art of Manliness, uh, The 5 a.m. Miracle, uh, some other education podcasts. I, I'm backed up on uh, Dan Bowers better leaders, better schools. I'm just catching up on stuff. So that's where I'm at.
3: All right. So I have a question for you. Cause I listened to Five A miracle. Are you feeling like it's different lately?
2: It is a little different. I think he's putting ads in different places and the tone of the show is changing. And actually one of the episodes I recently caught up on, he's actually debating on cutting back on producing the show to focus on some other things. So it'll be interesting to see what happens as he said it in March, 2018. Yeah. His hiatus. Yeah. I I hope he just goes to like every two weeks and doesn't do like, I'm going to podcast and I'm going to take a month off because I do like his stuff and, and I, I do enjoy it. And I get a lot of benefit from it.
3: But I have to say, I was really getting in, that. That's exactly what it was. It was a lot of the ad placement was changing. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's because I've taken a deeper dive into productivity, but I kind of feel like it's the same stuff over and over again. And I went back to the original, like, first episode. Oh, okay. I I feel like, you know, like, no, just when I first started listening. And I've been listening to it for over a year, maybe two years now. And I just kind of feel like it's just like, meh. Like, if he chooses to leave in March and I go back and listen, I'll be surprised. Depending on, unless something spectacular happens from now until March, I guess is my point. And usually not negative. I just kind of feel like it's... It's not – I don't know. It's just not the same show as it used to be.
2: It, but but shows do change and shows do evolve. And Actually, his most recent episode was about like the dark, seedy side of – or the shady side of uh, productivity and self-help and things like that.
3: Yeah, I really like that one.
2: <laughs> it was a whole episode about cults. He had creepy music.
3: amazing. All right. You're right. All right. Good point. Thanks. That was a good reminder because I really did like it.
2: Yeah. So – I I usually go based off the title. Sometimes I'll listen halfway and it's just not what I thought it was going to be. And, you know, I skip it. It's not a big deal or, or, you know, there's no rules. That's true. AJ, how about you? What are you listening to?
0: So I got down with a couple of different podcasts lately, but two stood out to me based on a recommendation by uh, our guy, Rich, um, when he was on the episode, Revisionist History. I was listening to it, but I started digging a little deeper into it and I came up with one. Which I love. Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. The episode is McDonald's broke my heart. I don't know if you guys got down with that one. But he talks about the different French fries of McDonald's since I guess the nineties to today. And he was talking about the different ways they were cooked and how the taste is completely different. And I started sitting there and thinking about like the last time I actually had fast food. But just listening to him describe the fries. Like I remember like having those fries back in the nineties that were just so greasy and so wonderful and crunchy. And now you just get like these little flimsy floppy French fries. So that was one. The second one was from our guy, Don Wetrick in start ed up uh, episode 78, his Monday motivation. Uh, do we want student leaders or well-behaved kids? And that's an episode I really think everybody should listen to, especially the educators talking about the different ways that our students are kind of playing the game of school And a lot of teachers are not giving them the opportunity to take the lead in the classroom where they're sitting there and doing what they're told and taking orders. And sometimes they just want to, you know, burst out and share their thoughts and opinions and be innovative students. So give that a listen. It's a quick five-minute one. But both of those were just tremendous episodes that I really enjoyed this week.
2: I really enjoyed that one, too. And we'll save you time, and there'll be a link to that in our show notes or double tap on our podcast cover art on your player. And actually you could do that with every episode and there'll be links to everything that we're talking about.
3: Yeah. So the Malcolm Gladwell one, I listened to that during the summer and I remember we were actually, I think it was one of our last beach days, the boys and I were driving and we were listening to that and they were totally intrigued Mm -hmm. to the point where like later that weekend, um, my little guy and I actually ended up watching the founder. Oh yeah. With, um,
2: Michael What's Keaton, that? right? Michael Keaton. Yeah. with Michael
3: Keaton. And it was fascinating. And that guy was like dirty dealings, but I don't remember those fries being like all that extra special back then. Maybe I just don't remember it.
0: I mean, it was a while ago and I don't really, it's not like, I even had French food, uh, French fries and fast food like that when we were kids. Like it just, you know, it just stands out a little bit. Like when you think about it today, it just, you, know, you always think like these fries are not good, I won't eat these, so not like it used to be where you know, the fries were kind of the staple of of the meal you're eating.
3: Oh, yeah, you went to McDonald's, and you had the fries. I don't eat at McDonald's anymore, so I don't know.
0: right Isn't it amazing?
3: I used to work there as a kid.
0: <laughs> I would love to have seen that.
3: It's amazing. <laughs> Anyway, I know I joked in one of our previous episodes that I have to give you an update of how many um, shows I currently have downloaded.
2: Ba, ba. Stacy's badge number is.
3: It's 852 because I kind of cheated. So I realized that my books weren't downloading. <laughs> it's because on my very large capacity phone, I don't have room anymore because I have so many. I had so many podcasts, I had over 900. Hold At one on. point, it was like 9/11, 9/13, 9-15. I was like, "No, if I get to a thousand, I will cry." So I completely deleted new shows that I was actually, um, you know, made aware of during one of our PD days over the summer. And I just started downloading those, and I was like, "Forget it." I screenshotted what I had, and if I ever have time to get back to them, I will. Kind of like my old list from the Apple Podcast, or yeah, the Apple Podcast app, but um. Yeah, so I'm at 852. I feel pretty good about that. It's under 9. But um, my current listen, it's not even current. Well, I caught up. But it's um, Hidden Brain. And over the summer, you actually have to go back a little bit, but over the summer they did a whole series called U2.0. And it was all about, like, self-improvement. And as much as I don't listen to re-release shows and for some reason Hidden Brain happens to be one of those podcasts where they do go back and randomly re-release old content um, but they do it often enough to, for me it's kind of annoying this one, they, there was a really nice theme and it kind of wrapped up very nicely and the episodes included things like Deep Work with Cal Newport, um, they talked about dream jobs and embracing chaos and um, the whoop cycle, you have to Listen to the whole thing to figure it out and then making decisions and getting on stuff. And while some of those were repeats, like I said, it, it fits so well together and just like, you know, just kind of recalibrating yourself. Again, a little bit of that self help that we were talking about with um, 5 a.m. Miracle and self improvement. But um, it, I don't know. It just had a nice theme. And I really like Shankar. Um, I just, he's a good host. So, and I like Hidden Brain. It's a good episode.
2: That was actually one of the series. Stacy that I caught up on in the first couple of days of school, because I just kind of let those pile up, and my favorite mm-hmm. of all of them was the Getting Unstuck one.
3: Yeah, that was a good one, right? Yes,
2: that, that was, of, of all of them, that was, that really meant something to me.
3: Yeah, I just thought, like, as a series, they were all really, really well done. So, that's what I'm listening to.
0: I think I'll check that one out.
3: I like Hidden Brain. I like it a lot. And there are just some really interesting things.
0: Definitely a good podcast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And actually Stacy, so
3: check out the series. It's really quick.
2: Stacy to hit on your point from before about podcasts changing. Even Hidden Brain has changed since it first started. And we still enjoy it. I know.
3: It. Yeah, and it's it totally has. For me at least it seems like it's deviated from where it started. I don't know. I still I still like it. The episodes are always intriguing. So, if you haven't listened to Hidden Brain, give it a try.
2: I see what you did there.
3: Ha! ha, ha. <laughs> I was wondering if, you would, if you'd pick up. on I'm it. pretty
2: quick on the uptake. Speaking of being quick on the uptake, what are you guys learning about?
3: I recently finished uh, two full days of instructional coaching with Jim Knight. I learned some really good stuff. Some things that I want to investigate on my own. Um, he talked about, you know, a lot about his new. I guess what he has going on now is, is called the impact cycle. And that's what we spent the first two days learning about and, you know, how, you know, coaching teachers really is about, you know, identifying where they are and helping them come to terms with their current reality, whether it be through observation or a myriad other techniques to help them really kind of see what's happening in their classroom. And then, um, you know, helping them identify their goal and then, setting the strategies and then doing the learning to achieve that goals. And one of the thing, one of my biggest takeaways was like his whole shift on, on goal setting. And, you know, he said smart goals are great, um, but they're not the end all be all. I don't even think that he said they were great. Actually, I think he said they were good, but there are better ways to set goals, you know, as that. So that one of his biggest issues with SMART goals is that they're time-bound. So the T in SMART goals, and for those of you that don't know, um, SMART is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. Although some of the letters have different um, associations with them, but that's what I remember it being. Um, but he said, you know, that when we make things time-bound, sometimes we just set an arbitrary deadline for things. And then what happens when you don't get, when you don't hit that deadline, like, oh, I'm going to lose 10 pounds in, in a month. Well, when it's, you know, a month from now, you haven't met your goal, then what, you know? So he changed it to peers goals and, um, it's an acronym means powerful, easy, emotionally compelling, reachable and student focused. And then his biggest thing was about the student focus, like in the end, how will we significantly impact students? And I thought, like, that's really what it is all about. Like, when we are coaching teachers, it should always be with the insight of, like, what what is the student getting out of this, this coaching cycle? And, um, you know, we're really looking into what this is going to look like for us. There were 24 of us in the training. And I had an opportunity to debrief not only with my team and my supervisor and one of the um, assistant superintendents in the district, but also a couple of other people who were there in different specialties and just kind of getting their, you know, their thoughts on the whole thing and how it looks different for so many of us because we all have different focuses. It'll be, it'll be interesting as we move forward. We have, I think, three or four more days of training throughout the year, and hopefully we'll have a couple of days where we just meet as a district with our, with our leadership and just kind of hash things out on our own. Um, But I'm super-duper excited, and um, who knows? Maybe Jim will come be on the show with us.
2: That would be cool.
3: Yeah. So I was very rambly. What's everybody else learning?
2: I I have also another quick update. Uh, The loft bed that we previously discussed, um, it is a loft no more. Aww. Mommy wanted it lowered because snuggles were drastically reduced by having a bed that was so high off the ground. Um, so in essence, I learned how to turn a loft bed into a regular height bed. So that's something recently that I did.
3: Well, now you have to take new pictures. I
2: I will take a new picture for the, uh, the show notes. Definitely. Okay. AJ.
3: We'll do a before and after. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) AJ, what are you learning? I am learning about
0: hyperdocs, which I know is not a new thing, but is a cool trend and you know, looking at the HyperDocs and using HyperDocs for some of the things that are going on in my classroom, I felt like it was really good in the idea of giving students choice. So I've been looking at some HyperDocs lately, and I was using them this week to help my students do scavenger hunts through uh, Google Docs and Slides, and even help them get used to their Chromebook. So um, creating some, and the making of creating some, and uh, I kind of stole a couple, put it out there. I'm gonna. I took it. So, I'll be honest. Not all of them are mine, but uh, I changed them up to make them mine. If that helps at all. Like, what, what did Harry Wong say? Don't reinvent the wheel. Steal it. So I did.
2: <laughs> and, uh, I, I did the same thing with the yeah. September 11th uh, hyperdoc. That, that oh, was floating around. I you, took it, that, tweaked it, made it my own, and that's what I used as part of my lesson.
0: See, I just want to talk about that real quick. I thought that was a fantastic. Uh, HyperDoc and shout out to uh, Kate Baker for creating that HyperDoc. Um, I just felt that I wanted to have more of a conversation with my students on that day. So that's why I did not use that HyperDoc, but it was very well done.
2: That's what I wound up doing. I, in lieu of having my students do a lot of writing, I turned some of the questions in there into group discussion questions. And then we had class conversation and actually where I had to make some changes. uh, I, I was modifying it in school and for whatever reason, my school district filtered out a number of the videos that were in that doc. So I had to go find uh, different videos yeah, 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 that worked, yeah. that my students could see. So that's where I had to make some changes. Right. But along your same lines, I went more for conversation, got them talking about their perspective.
0: And I really, I really think that the hyperdocs in general are going to become very useful for my classroom. And like I said, when it comes down to creating student choice – for the lessons and activities that we're going to do and the projects they create. Uh, I think this is really going to help them. So I'm looking into it. I'm probably going to buy one of the books. maybe the hyperdoc handbook. Cause it looks like a good one. And then uh, we'll go from there, but we'll see. We'll see updates to come once uh, I start making my own.
3: Cool. Sounds like it could be an episode of podcast PD.
2: I like it a lot.
0: I think it might be one day.
2: So now real quick, we're All going right. to do a little, uh, a little feedback and we would like to challenge you to join us. We don't we don't necessarily have the Flipgrid fever, but we're gonna play around with Flipgrid a little bit here on Podcast PD. So we'd like to challenge you with a question to participate in our podcast PD Flipgrid. So where do you need to go? You need to go to podcastpd.com slash flipgrid and our topic for this episode, and we don't care when you're listening to this episode. You can go here and participate in this challenge, and we would like to know where do you listen to Podcast PD, your car, the gym, walking the dog, laundry, where do you consume our content? And we want to know where you're from, your Twitter handle, and leave all that good stuff in your video message to us, and we look forward to including it as we get them, hopefully as soon as episode 15.
3: That sounds like an awesome idea. We hope to see you guys um, taking part in our flip grid. And um, looks like we're going to get out of here. See you on the flip side.
2: Yeah. We're, we're going to flip out. AJ. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys it. next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com.
0: You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco, and I also blog at AJBianco.me.
2: You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie, and I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on ChrisNessie.com.
3: You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at... I run tech and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We'd also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash Facebook to join.
0: You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague, and if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us.
3: Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators, podcast by educators. For more podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.
2: Podcast PD is a proud member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. For more great content, go to voiceed.ca.